um, is, uh, is a really interesting little thing here. Um, I'm just going to start in verse 1. Uh, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves, to vow a vow of the Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes nor eat moist grapes or dried. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels, even unto the husk. And all the days of his, the vows of his separation there shall no razor come on his head until the days be fulfilled in which he separates himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy. And he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. And uh, as you read, I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but as you read through this, you catch this word separates a lot. It's all over the place. This whole thing about this, this vow of the Nazarite is they're separated. Uh, and the young says this really interesting uh, in verse 2. It says, when a man or a woman uh, shall, do, shall do a singular thing and separate themselves. And so there's this sense of this individual choice. Like, well, I'm going to separate myself on purpose. Uh, to set myself aside for this. You know, we, we use the word sanctified a lot, and that's really what it means, is to be set aside, to be set apart for a specific purpose. Another really interesting thing about this word um, separation is this is the word that it uses for crown. Uh, it's the, uh, the, the crown that the kings of Israel wore uh, the the mitre that the high priest wore, and it's it's this is all that same word, and so it has, so this crown has with it a sense of being separated from everybody else for a specific thing, because the crown didn't make Saul better than everybody else, the the crown made him something set aside, made him a person set aside for a specific purpose, and. Uh, and the same thing for Aaron. It didn't make him better than anyone else. It didn't make him holier than anyone else. He didn't have a bulletproof chariot to drive around in because he was the high priest and had and had the the crown. It he was separated for God to do something with him. You know, put, puts me in mind of uh, in in the book of Acts when uh, it says the Holy Ghost said, "Separate unto me Saul, Paul, and Barnabas for the work that I have for them." It's like I have chosen them to do this particular thing. So there's a really interesting thing here about this separation then, because everybody can see it for one thing. It's it's you you're marked out different than everyone else. Uh because well for one thing, uh in verse five it says that uh no razor shall touch his head. That you let your hair grow. And uh uh you know, when if you go long enough without a haircut, people will notice, and you know they'll start dropping those hints like, "Hey, uh, you know, they got a like a special on at Great Clips right now." <laughs> you know, if you wanted to go over to Fantastic Sam's, it's like you'd look fantastic. <laughs> you, know, you know, and eventually, you know, you'll you'll get the you'll get the older crowds like, "Man, like, don't cut your hair, boy," you know. Yeah. 
so. <laughs> Uh, I tried the long hair thing when I was in elementary school. My parents kind of gave me some liberty with that. It kind of just really was a mullet. but <laughs> So you can see why, you know, with the wisdom beyond my years, even though it was the 80s, the, I decided the mullet was not for me or anyone really. Um. <laughs> I know how to get everybody on my side, don't I? <sighs> All right. Um, but uh, so they're set aside, and in a culture where you know it's not at all unusual to have a glass of wine, you know, frequently, if you don't ever drink it, people are going to notice. It's like, wait, it's like, why are you not having any, you know? And uh, so, so there's these things that people can see. That, that this person has separated themselves. And so, I mean, the, the children of Israel were all separated from the nations around them with the covenant of the circumcision and all that, but nobody can see that. Nobody could tell except that they lived in Israel, they had the temple, they had, they had this big God, but nobody could see anything else other than that. So then these people that take this, this vow of the Nazarite are separating themselves even further from the things around them uh, being like distinct even from the the other children of God in this this place of consecration. The great thing is 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 it uh, like I said in the Youngs it says that when somebody shall do a singular thing and separate themselves, it's this individual choice that that everybody can make. Um, so. Uh, a couple of well-known Nazarites from the, the scriptures, and I, I know I've talked about this before, but um, Samson was a Nazarite. And he had it, he really didn't choose to be that. He had it conferred on him uh, by God before he was ever born. And his, his parents went with it and, and raised him that way. And he didn't cut his hair, but he didn't really live like he was separated from everything else. Uh, so, I mean, you can not cut your hair all you want, but if you if you don't have this, that consecration inside, then the outside things really don't make much difference. But, uh, so he had this, this consecration on, on his life that was set up for him in advance by God. But he didn't work with God on it. He kind of did what he wanted to do. Like, well, you know, those Philistine girls are awfully cute. and Yeah, yeah. I'd rather do what I want to do. And so, which seems to me, you may as well cut your hair then and, and go have a glass of wine because if you're not going to really be separated, then, then it doesn't really matter. So he, so he had this consecration, but he didn't value it. And he didn't, he didn't work with God on that. Uh, you could really say the same thing about Saul, even though he wasn't a Nazarite, because he was set aside for this purpose. But he kind of let it go to his head, as it were, and thought, well, you know, not only am I literally head and shoulders above everybody else, everybody else in Israel, I'm head and shoulders above everyone else, because I'm the king. You know. um, Samuel. Samuel, of course, is also a Nazarite. And uh, 
uh, his he also had it conferred on him uh, at the at the commandment of God before he was born, and uh, but his life turned out entirely different than Samson's because he he worked with God on that and he and he placed value on that consecration. You know he. Uh, you know, we're all familiar with the story of of his mother leaving him at the temple with with Eli when he was just a little kid, and and so he understood the 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 uh, the weight of a vow, of telling God this is what we're going to do, or if God tells you this is what we're going to do, uh, then you you work with him on it. You know, I I can I can't imagine you know seeing your kid once a year. And leaving him there, it's like you go visit him for a while, and you know he really bad would like to come home with you, and you'd really like to bring him home. But you've you've given him to God, and so he's going to stay at the temple. But he worked with God, and and he valued that consecration, and and God used him mightily. You know, and he was you know he was the last judge before they went into this place of of kingship. So. Uh, there's an interesting thing here in this sense of choice because you can choose to separate yourself. This, this vow of the Nazarite thing is a... Uh, what he's talking about here in Numbers, it's a voluntary thing. They, you know, that they've, decide, they've made up their mind they're going to set themselves aside. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all this other stuff aside and I'm going to run after God. And uh, so they could make that choice. You know, and and it typically it has, as you read through here, uh, it has a sense of um, of like for a, a specific time period. Uh, we'll read some more of it. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Go back to verse five. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall come a razor upon his head, until the days be fulfilled in which he separates himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy. And he shall let the locks of his hair grow. You know, I think the precious thing about that too, besides the fact that people can see it, is uh, when when Paul talked about your hair being a covering, you know, and, and the, that was why the women would let their hair grow and everything, not because they had to have long hair, but because it was this this picture of this this covering, and then and then above them was this covering of the man whose covering was God, and um, so not. Not disturbing that covering, I think, is a really precious thing, because because uh, you would look out of place if you were a guy with hair, you know, down way down your back, and so there's this sense of being separated. People are probably going to look at you a little funny, and uh, but but you've made this separation, and you're not going to disturb that covering that that God's given you. Um, and he goes on in verse 6, and he says, All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. And he shall not make himself unclean for his father or his mother, for his brother or for his sister when they die, because the consecration of God is upon his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. And this is where I start feeling like I'm kind of going down that little thing that they used to herd cattle. Like oh dear, it's like oh man, that sounds great. Separated unto the Lord, and you know, for this specific time period, I'm going to do this stuff, and then it's like, so what if it becomes suddenly inconvenient, or 
this is not a good time or, you know, because, you know, sometimes you could predict, like, you know, I have, you know, X, Y, and Z coming up. Maybe it's not a good time for me to go on a three-week fast because I'm going to have to be able to do this stuff. Maybe it's not a good time. Sometimes you, you decide you're going to set yourself aside for the, for uh, a specific purpose, and then it's suddenly not so convenient anymore. <laughs> and uh, But what he talks about here is, you know, if your parents, if one of your parents dies, you're still in this place where you have separated yourself. And, and, and in, this, in the law, you couldn't you want to be near the, this dead body because it would make you unclean. And so, so he's saying, okay, so you're separated uh, to me, and if your dad dies, you're going to have to get somebody else to take care of it because you're consecrated. And so that kind of makes it a little more costly then. And he says, uh, and if any man die very suddenly by him, then he's defiled the head of his consecration, and he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day he shall shave it. So it's like, okay. So then, you know, this this thing happens, and and then he's uh, he's basically going to have to start over again. That that uh, when when you go down to uh, so he's got to give this offering on the eighth day. He shall bring two two turtles and two young pigeons to the priests to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the priest shall offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering to make an atonement for him for that he sinned by the dead. And then he shall hallow his head that same day. And he shall consecrate to the Lord the days of his separation. And shall bring a lamb of the first year for a trespass offering. But the days that were before shall be lost because the separation was defiled. So you can't, you can't then, um, you know, maybe, maybe you get into a place where you've kind of cooled off or you're just kind of floating and not where you could be or should be or no, you would like to be uh, is in relation to uh, that, that proximity to the Lord. Uh, but he says that all those days that you were consecrated before are lost. So you, you can't coast on yesterday's holiness. You can't coast on yesterday's consecration. It has to be something that's today. And uh, so he says... Uh, uh, so he says, the days that were before uh, shall be lost or shall fall because the separation was defiled. This is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are fulfilled, he shall be brought to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and he shall offer for his offering to the Lord one lamb of the first year without blemish for a burnt offering, one ewe lamb for the, of the first year without blemish for a sin offering, and one ram without blemish for peace offerings, and a basket of unleavened bread. The cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, wafers of unleavened bread anointed with oil, and their meat offering and their drink offering. And then I find it interesting that when he's when he reaches the end of the this prescribed time period that this consecration is for, the the first thing that he brings in this offering he brings to the Lord is a lamb of the first year without blemish. So he has this this perfect lamb then, like what they would have used at Passover. Because ultimately, the, that that holiness and that righteousness that comes from being consecrated to the Lord still comes from Him. Uh, you know, I was listening to this song this morning, and uh, 
and he talks about um, you, know, uh, you know one day you know singing in glory with a glittering crown on his brow. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, that's good stuff. But I got to thinking, it's like, you know, any any crown that that I'm going to have in glory is because he handed it to me, because because it was his, and and he did it, and and he put all the value and paid all the price, and then he just kind of handed it to me. And you know, no, nobody's going to be in that place and think, yeah, look at my crown, check it out, you know. But it's interesting, you know, that because I was thinking about that song and thinking about a, a crown and how this this word to separate yourself is the word that it uses for crown. And so that sense of being separated uh, has this this thing that that you choose to separate yourself, and uh, and and not relying on on any of the things that have come before, but this but. Focusing on today, like so, how am I living today? Am I separated today? Uh, because if if I'm not, then the days that I was separated before, I can't coast on that. I, I want to be I want to be where God would have me to be right now. And uh, but it ultimately, when you know, even I mean, if you had, if it was me, if I made this vow that it's like I'm going to separate myself. Uh, to the Lord, and now I'm going to cut my hair, and I'm not going to drink wine, and and all this stuff. You know, by the time I got to like the end of like a year or whatever that I had set this thing aside, I mean, one would hope that you would, you know, come to the end of that and rec- and just you know be really tender and really close to the Lord and everything. But I can't help but think I would be thinking, lately, I did it. You know, it's like you ever get to the end of like, you know, you make up your mind you're going to fast and you made it to lunchtime and you still haven't eaten yet. And you're like, yes, look at me. <laughs> I made it. I skipped one meal. It's like, man, holiness here I come. You know, but. <laughs> oh, man, if I make it through a whole day, I'm, I'm put me on a Wheaties box, man. Yes. <laughs> did it you know but i i know i don't look like i like to eat but you know you know but to come to the end of that and recognize that that all of the merit comes from him and all comes from that lamb without blemish is uh, is i think a really precious thing but it does come down to this uh, personal choice and he says, um, let's see, okay, so he brings this offering. And in 16 it said, The priest shall bring them before the Lord and shall offer his sin offering and his burnt offering. And he shall offer the ram for a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord with the basket of unleavened bread. And the priest shall offer also his meat offering, his drink offering. And the Nazarite shall shave the head of his separation at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And shall take the hair of the head of his separation and put it in the fire, which is under the sacrifice of the peace offerings. And I think that's really interesting because he doesn't say, you know, keep it around like a like a trophy of look what I did, look at how long I separated myself to this this pursuit of holiness and, and, and consecration to God. Uh, 
he uh, he burns it in the fire. And, uh, uh, you know, and I don't know if you've ever smelled burnt hair, but it smells nasty. When, when I had uh, that little incident with my grill a few years ago, and, like, the big fireball shot out of it, and, uh, uh, like, I mean... I, I I went inside and I, I was literally brushing off this like burnt crusty hair off of my arms and my eyebrows and like out of my hair like the ends of my hair was just burnt to a crisp and it smelled awful and uh, uh, you know any kind of righteousness that we could bring to him that's that's exactly what he said it smells like it's like it's like you know your righteousness is his filthy rags you know because you know, and uh, you know, you imagine if you had gone to all this trouble to uh, to give somebody like a really great gift, and they were just didn't seem all that impressed, or or they thought, oh man, well, you know, I I, I could do that, or you know, I could, or I don't know, or even just when you give somebody something and they they want to give you something in return. So they feel like they're, you know, adding some sort of value. It takes away that sense of, man, this is really great to give this to you. I love giving people stuff. I don't like to be the one to hand it to them because I don't know why. But um, I usually pass it off on somebody else. Like, here, give this to them. But, uh, you know, at the same time, and I think I might have talked about this last week. I don't know. To me, when somebody gives me something, it's like I want to give them something or it's just like oh or okay thanks you know and just like oh wow they went out of their way and they you know expended their resources and their time you know to get me something and um but you know when you are the one that gives somebody something it's a really precious thing to just have them take it and and be excited about it happy about it and uh you know it's like Nothing makes Grandma's day like seeing you in that goofy little bunny suit that she sent you for Christmas, you know. And it's you know it's like yes, it's like oh I loved it, that's great, you know. I don't know how many Christmases I opened a pack of underwear for my grandma, and she's like, oh did you like that? I was like yeah, Grandma loved it. I've been needing some underwear, Grandma. It's like it's like a script, you know. It's like okay now. It's like I've already opened all my presents at home. It's like, okay, now we're going over to your grandma's house. She's going to buy you underwear. You will be nice. You will be grateful. You will be polite. And you will tell her thank you. So it's like, yeah, okay. Because there's nothing like being a kid and opening the present and like, underwear. Next. <laughs> Inside. Next. You're like, oh, thanks. That's great. That's when you know you're really growing up is when people get you like boring gifts like that and you're like, man, this is great. And you mean it. Yeah. It's like, man, thanks for the tie. That's awesome. You know, it's like, ooh, socks. And that's when you know you're a grown up. It's like, man, I really did need some socks. I appreciate that. But, but you know, God doesn't want us to bring in some thing that we think might be valuable to try and 
somehow um, even up the account. You could never even up the account. Um, and um, so the best thing to give him is to give him what he asked for, which would be you. Uh, it would be that, that sense of uh, humility and um, and being grateful, you know, because um, when somebody gives you something really big and you know that this thing is, like, really super expensive, you know, you're thinking it's really a humbling kind of moment, you know, that, that somebody would do that. And, and so what God has given to us is so beyond cost. That, that he would have us to be, to just take it, you know, uh, in humility and be happy about it. I mean, you know, for, you know, somebody gives you something or you earn some award even, but, you know, you get it and you just, oh, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, shake your hand and everything. You walk away. And you're like, yes. You know, it's like, I, to me, it's like the things that God has offered us, it's like that. It's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad, you know, and you really are. And then when nobody's looking, you're just like, yes. Like the kid that I, I talked about uh, that mows my yard. And I was like, yeah, I'd love, love to have you back next week, man. I'd like to have you back regular all summer. And he's just driving away in his mower, and he's like, woohoo! <laughs> like, all right. Like, sweet. You know, yeah, I, I do that sometimes, you know, at work. It's like somebody will, you know, they'll want to buy the job on the spot, and they're like, okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, uh, Mike will be in touch with you uh, to get your job scheduled, and you know, we'll we'll get your guys over here, and we'll get this all taken care of. You know, all professional, and like, oh, you know, this happens all the time. You know, I'm not excited at all. Like they they close the door, and I'm walking out to my car, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, and then usually by the time I get to the car, I sit in the car, I'm like, man, Jesus, thank you so much. Like. Like, I can't believe that happened, but you know, but the things that he gives us are of, of so much more valuable. You know, so this sense of taking the taking this all this hair that you grew during this time of this consecration and, and, and burning it, I think, is a really precious thing. Uh, you know, because God didn't let them have Moses's body to look at and keep around, because they would have embalmed it and kept it around forever, and and then they would have like made a like a a statue of it or something they would have like had some engraved sarcophagus for him or whatever and and I was like nah it's like no so so it's a precious thing because you know God takes he does take vows really seriously and and uh in fact that's why Jesus says to swear not at all in the, in the New Testament because you don't want to get yourself in this place where you you promised something, and you've sworn that you're going to do this thing or not do this thing, and then you kind of get stuck. Uh, you know, um, uh, I think of Jephthah, you know, making this really rash vow. It's like, what did you think was going to be the first thing that came out of the gates? Your cat? You know, I mean, I'm sorry, that's the wishful thinking for me, but... Um, <laughs> No, what did you think was going to come out first? You know, it's like, I don't know if he was like rolling the dice that maybe it was going to be like, you know, like, I don't know, his oldest servant that just kind of, you know, brought him his morning tea. I don't know. Or something. I mean, who who, who would you think you would, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. But he was he was stuck then with this vow that he'd made. 
you know, and uh, I just, I can't explain that one, but you know, that sense of, okay, so this is what I told God I'm going to do, so I need to stick with it, and that's why if something happens to this consecration, then all the days before are lost, and you begin begin again. Um, but you know it's precious because like I said this is a, a singular thing that they would choose to do uh, but uh, uh, here we've we've talked about two well three really people who have been had this sense of being a Nazarite conferred on them from birth because you have you have Samson you have Samuel and really you have Jesus and uh, the you know and we've seen how Samson didn't work with God on the consecration and value it. And of course, we know that, that that Samuel did, and obviously Jesus did. So that seems like it takes away the element of choice, though, if it's something that God put on you at the beginning. But you could see how Samson had a choice to make. He could work with it or and value it and think, wow. You know, it's like, it'd be like being born in the United States versus being born in Djibouti. You know, it's like, man, I'm, like, I'm really glad I got born here. And uh, I didn't have any input into that at all. It's like having something just handed to you. And, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes somebody can just hand something to you and you and of great value and you really value it because you understand its intrinsic value sometimes you don't value something that was just handed to you um, and uh, so it makes all the difference in the world um, I, I was talking to this uh, this couple they they are quite well to do and they send their kids to a private school a Christian school and uh, they said that they required their kids to go to public school for at least one year in high school to see what life was really like, see what the world was like outside of this uh, Christian environment. And uh, I thought, wow, that's really precious. You know, they didn't just, you know, you know, pamper them through that. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that you wouldn't want to just have your kid thrown into the world as as an adult. Uh, without any understanding of what they were getting into, but I thought that's really interesting because you would, when you see those things, and that's what I talk to my kids about, when you see how the world lives, it makes this thing that God's given you that much more valuable. If you grow up in a Christian home, it's like having this handed to you. You know, and so when you know when my kids are, oh man, you know. I mean, they're all excited about Sunday school because they're watching Unbroken. They're like, "Yes, you know." But it's like on Saturday morning, it's time to watch Bible or time for Bible study with the kids. And, yeah, they're all, "Oh man!" I'm like, "Okay," but think about all those kids at school, and and you know, it's like remember that the one kid you were telling me about with the this and that problem and, and all this stuff. It's like. You know, to, if if he had peace like you have peace, it would be so much more valuable to him because he lived in, he lives in a place with no peace. And I, I can think of nothing more valuable than that. If you've ever spent like a day that just 
You ever have a day where, uh, you know, you're pulling your hair out and just crawling across the room and on the floor, and you look up and a minute has passed. You know, it's like, oh, and you just want, you wish you weren't there, and they're, you know, wherever there might be. Any, nowhere else would do. You just wish you weren't here. You wish you weren't inside your own skin. If you've ever had a peaceless, restless day like that, you know how valuable peace is. And so to, uh, you know, we, we live in the city of peace. But I think sometimes we take for granted how peaceful it is. And and the more insulated we we live our lives, the more we have a tendency to forget just how peaceful it is inside the city. You know, it's like uh, when Mike and I started interviewing people and finding out, you know, just, you know, you can't hardly talk to somebody about it for a job interview and not find out something about their life. And... uh um, you know, some of these people we talked to, it's like I really wanted to help them, but it's like I don't think this is a good fit, you know. And you know, and there was not necessarily an open door to talk to them about the Lord either. But it's like, wow, you know, just to see how broken people's lives are, how peaceless people's lives are, and the the things that they do to try and cram peace into that peaceless little place. Uh, it's like it's like sticking a cork in a in a dam on a cartoon, you know. It's like it's not it doesn't really work. And uh, um, but that sense of of consecration is a really precious thing um, because uh, because it is that individual choice. It's like I I'm choosing to do this, you know. And you know I, I was talking about how. How you know we can make that choice, but we were talking about these people who God chose it for them. Uh, go over with me to uh, Ephesians one. Wrap up with this. And some some genius helped me. Uh, Figure out these little. I always kind of put uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians all together in my mind. And uh, so, uh, there was a couple of little mnemonic things that some genius taught me to remember them. There was Go Eat Popcorn or General Electric Power Company. So, so I'm always like, okay, Galatians, I'm almost there. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Okay. Uh, so Ephesians 1, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So there it is again. Here he is. He's an apostle. He's been set aside for something specific uh, by God. By the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you. Peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Isn't that the truth? According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, being predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the pleasure of His good will. 
to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. I mean, you could just keep going. That's, that's hard to stop. I mean, who, who who starts a letter like that? It's like, man, some good stuff. But, uh, so He said that He's chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. So, it's like, uh, and He's predestinated us to the adoption of children. So, um, you know, and there, there's all kinds of doctrinal things about predestination and all that stuff. But here's the thing. God knows if you had a million years and a million chances to make a choice, He knows what choice you would ultimately make. And so, uh, he, you know, He's not limited in His scope of what He can see. You know, we, we see the, the present and the past, and that's really about it. And but he see, he can see everything, and he he knows the very last choice you would ever make. And so he he has based his choice then on that that he he chose you. And so if you if you're here and you are, then God knows that you would make the right choice. And so it it starts today. It starts with making that choice today. It's like I'm going to separate myself from the world today. I'm, I'm going to separate myself from the stuff that uh, that robs from me today. The the things that um, have caused that caused me to to cool off or slow down or uh, lose my focus. Those things I'm all going to separate myself from today. And, and in the end, um, he has he has declared from the very beginning that that he has chosen you, and that he has uh, ordained you to this place of being adopted uh, into his kingdom, to be placed there by his choice. So your choice really is about cooperation. Then it's about working in partnership with him, and. Uh, you know, and that's a precious thing. So it's it's like getting to the end of this this length of the Nazarite vow, and offering the lamb without blemish, and 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 burning the hair that you grew during that time. It, that that it all comes back to him, and is cooperating in him, and letting him confer on you that that righteousness and that holiness that comes with. Working in partnership with them because you can you can look at Samson and see he had this same opportunity he could have turned out just like Samuel, but he didn't work with God on him. He he was always wrestling with with his flesh and and his and his appetites and his emotions, and he let those things rule him, and uh, and so he was. He was always in this back and forth place, and when, as you read his story, he doesn't seem like he's content ever. He doesn't ever seem like he's peaceful. He doesn't ever seem like he's at rest until he uh, until they bring him up to make sport of him in the temple, and and now and he and he has he's made up his mind that he's you know he's uh, he's lost everything because he wouldn't. He didn't value his consecration, and his, and his, the and it, the Bible says that the hair began to grow again on his head, and so he had that 
to that consecration as it began to return, he had a whole new sense of how valuable it was. And so uh, and so he knew, you know what, I could like I, I can feel that, that strength from God again and I I could tear this whole building down around me and, and I'll die, but I could take all these uh, enemies of the people of God with me and that would be worth it to me. That that would be valuable to me. And so so that sense of of, of uh, restlessness that he always had, it left him when when he began to work in concert with the will of God and the call that God had put in his life. And uh and the Bible says that he, he destroyed more of the Philistines then than he ever did in the rest of his life. And so like he really went out with a bang because he was then cooperating with the things that God wanted him to do. So so it's a precious thing how you know God makes these he makes these choices and and it's basically like just checking yes I agree. Like I I, I you know it's like when you when you sign paperwork for something it's like they they're just they just go through all the terms with you and you sign it and your signature says I agree. I'm good with this. I I'm going to go along with this. And and that's essentially what um what almost everything that God talks about boils down to is just work with me on this, cooperate with me, agree with me on this, and uh, and these things will work out in your life. So Jesus, we thank you so much for your word, God. And uh, today, I pray that that um, that sense of uh, your presence brooding over us, calling us into that place of separation to you, God, that that it would it would be a, a palpable thing to us, God, and that we would work in partnership with you. God, separating ourselves from the, the things of the world. God, the, uh, all the, the noisy, shiny things of the world that, that uh, take our focus away from you. The, the things of our, of our emotions and our life that, uh, uh, that take our eyes away from that, that prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God, take those things and, and uh, cause us to, to see them with, without that glitter, without the, 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 the luster and the draw of, of those things, to see them as they really are. God, the, God let us uh, turn our eyes on you and look in your face. God, and, and let the things of the earth grow strangely dim. God, that's the thing that we're asking you today. God, that, that our eyes would be turned to you. God, that, that, uh, uh, God, that those coals deep down uh, underneath all the ashes, God, would, uh, would flare up again, Lord Jesus. And that, that we would be a people on fire. And we ask it in the righteous name of Jesus. God, do exactly what you want to do in this place today. God, as only you can, in your righteous name we pray. Amen, amen.